Warning! The following podcast contains mature subject matter and coarse language. Listener discretion is advised. There. I warned you. Don't sue me. I just thought that you should know. I just thought that you should know. Hello, everybody. We're doing something a little uh, different from normal, a little quieter, a little more low-key. Mm. Uh, I'm keeping my voice at this cadence because I don't want to drift into ASMR territory. That just gets into some weird psychosexual shit I don't want to deal with. But is that really that wrong to begin with? It is with you. Of course. <laughs> uh, you're hearing an unfamiliar voice right now. Uh, or it might be familiar if you listen to the IGO podcast. Uh, back after a long... God, I can't even I think the last ITO podcast we recorded was a year and a half ago. It was way too long ago. Uh, everybody say hello again to Tristan McIntyre. Yay! Yay! Your boy is back from the longest hiatus from anything I've ever taken. Yeah, and yet has not aged a day. I uh, can't help it. Yeah, he's, he's growing out his facial hair to make himself look more adult, but we all know he's not more adult. No, I'm yeah. mentally still a teenager, physically still looking like a teenager without the beard really you're you're mentally you're up to teenager now i i a lot's changed <laughs> oh man i uh without going into where exactly i work uh i work with a lot of people now who are in their late teens early 20s and for reference i'm 28 uh and most of the time i've been pretty lucky and it's not really noticeable some of them are definitely old souls Mm -hmm. uh but some there are these moments now and they're happening more and more where i'm reminded about how big the age difference is and that it's only going to get bigger like last year for the first time in my entire professional life i started working with someone who was born in the 2000s and that was a and it wasn't too bad because she she's definitely an old soul type i wouldn't have guessed she was that young if she hadn't told me Mm -hmm. but still it it kind of hits you yeah at uh at the job my, my previous job, job I just left, it was essentially the same thing. It was a lot of, because uh, it was split into two different areas. There was sort of an adult section and then more of a, uh, a family-friendly, kid-centered yeah. section. Um, and I worked over in the uh, in the adult area, so we, we didn't really interact with kids that much. All of us had to be adults in order to work there. But then over on the uh, on the kids' side, you had, you had people younger like as young as possible like they're they were there when they were 14 working on some like ymca yeah type of uh type of deal and it was just and they're so they're so bubbly and full of life and you just wonder it's sometimes you wonder where they get it from other times you just miss that yeah like that time before the world and reality just crushed you absolutely the time before you lost your drive and just your general yeah want to be alive yeah yeah. Well, I mean, this is rude, Dad. How old are you now? I'm uh, I'm 23. I'm turning 24 in about a month, so I'm starting. So, to, like, are you starting to feel it too? I, I'm definitely starting to feel it. Like, like I told you earlier, the other day, I was uh, I was linking a whole bunch of social media together, and that is the oldest I have felt. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, I'm now getting to the point where I am becoming the people that frustrated me when I worked in electronics retail. Ooh, yeah. Because when I was when I worked in electronics retail, I was I was at the age where you just sort of you're still young enough that whenever new technology pops up, you just get it. You, you have just, a certain degree of innate knowledge. It, yeah, like it's your chameleon with that stuff. Yeah, and so a lot of the stuff that was basic for me was obviously harder for older people. And sometimes, yeah, I'd get frustrated that they I just couldn't explain in a way that made sense. But now I'm not becoming that person. Get, yeah, no, this it just it's so weird. Technology is yeah, just, like and technology culture i now have to like i'm behind on memes sometimes i'll see a meme and i won't know where it came from and i'll have to like like the process of researching a meme just still feels weird yeah it does because well when memes used to come out it they were so just surface level relatable yeah you would the, the whole point of it was just laugh understand that this little this little rage comic is funny you know or early 2000s rage comics that type of thing and then um 
now it's like and also just the lifespan of memes yeah they they do not last and no, that's they're all flash in the pan now exactly it's just sort of they're here for like a couple months and a half and then you know a year later you'll you'll see like a meme from from years ago and then you'll be like oh i remember that you get a little chuckle out of it but then you've moved on to the new thing already god we're not even five minutes in and we're already at the back in my day portion of the podcast frankly all you kids can get off my goddamn lawn Mm -hmm. but living uh living where we live there's not much lawns to go around so you gotta definitely fight for those lawns no we're we're millennials we can't afford anything that is a lawn exactly no I can, we can barely afford AstroTurf to put where a lawn would hypothetically be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I guess uh, I want to do this podcast with you because uh, I did want to talk about another thing. And I don't know if this is a gener- if this is specific, more specific to our generation. I think it might be. I think we're a generation of people who have unconventional jobs and multiple jobs which means that sometimes you just sort of end up losing touch with people. Mm. And I guess I've been, with the way my life has been the last year especially, I've been thinking about it a lot. And you and me used to work together in unmentioned retail store. Uh, And we did kind of lose touch for a little while the last few months. So I thought this would be a good opportunity to talk about reconnecting and tr- what you have to do to maintain relationships in this generation and in this day and age well i think i think i definitely agree and it's, i guess just that unconventional relationships as well yeah well i i would totally agree that this is maintaining relationships today are entirely different from maintaining relationships 20 years ago yeah um it's it, well, 20 years ago the there was no such thing as cell phones Right? Well, no, there there were, but they were like. Well, yeah, they were chunky. Yeah. You wouldn't carry around in your back pocket. There, there wasn't texting. Uh, there was, there like way back when, keeping in touch with people who weren't, who were far, who were far distance away was significantly harder. You'd have to actually, you'd have to send mail if you wanted to go hang out with someone. You'd have to go to their house, yeah. see if they were available. The closest was emailing people. Yeah, and even then, that was. I mean, a lot of people were still using dial-up mm. in 1999, which is just like... Which is, yeah, exactly. And with email, it's not also not yeah. like your phone buzzes and it's like, oh, shoot, text message. It, it's, you got to wait for the person to check their email and then they got to wait for it to load and they got to do... There's so many steps that the whole process is longer. So at, at that point, yeah, just going to someone's house, seeing if they're available is so much easier. But it, yeah, it's also really surprising with today's day and age with the, the instant socialization we have available at our fingertips that so many people sort of like fall out of touch and fall out of contact with each other it's, it's weird to think that like now nowadays if you send someone a text and they don't reply within five minutes you start to get a little antsy mm-hmm. and even 10 years ago it was nowhere near like that oh no not like at all. if you especially if you go back as far as like the early days of email, if you if you got a reply to an email the same day, that was that was considered fast. Mm-hmm. That was like, oh shoot, this guy's on on the ball with his stuff. Like, yeah, you you you'd have to wait for like a week tops. I remember waiting for that long to get stuff back. And I don't know if it's a if it's part of my anxiety or if it's part of just growing up in an age where it's becoming less and less of a thing, but imagining a time where the primary option was someone calling you on the phone just fills me with dread i hate talking on the phone mm-hmm. I, I it just feels so if if it's not like super urgent and like immediate or especially if it's not formal like if i if i did an interview and you want to call me back or if it's even an over the phone interview absolutely like doing a call i could do that i'm ready for it but if you I can't remember the last time I just sort of spoke to someone over the phone casually, like, hey, how are you doing? Yeah. You know, you're lying on your bed, your feet are in the air, you're like playing with things with your hand or whatever. Like, just, you, do you not relate to that? <laughs> I'm also like, I'm not all that socially graced, so I need mm. every single, I need everything that I can get, which means I need body language and I need to see someone's face. So, like, Talking to someone over the phone without that, I just immediately panic. Mm, I feel that as well. I can totally understand that. But yeah, no, especially today's day and age, the the talking over the phone is so 
so crazy and like even going to the house going just going over to someone's house unannounced randomly is no no you don't do that you don't do that anymore. that's just yeah you hear someone knock on your door and you immediately reach for the nearest weapon because you're like who the hell is this or it's like like from the from the reverse side of it i don't go over to people's houses unannounced because everybody has so many things going at once that i assume they just have shit going on Mm -hmm. unless they're i know they're expecting me yes and it's like i don't want to barge and i first of all it's like the person might be at one of their many jobs or i don't want to barge in when they're just like when they just need their alone time or uh especially if they're like potentially alone with with a significant other because it's like especially now it's people move away from their parents so much later that as soon as people have the opportunity to live on their own and not have to worry about their parents anymore it's i took full advantage well as long as they take full advantage i feel worse about like potentially interrupting something some alone time because yes. it's like so rare to get that now mm-hmm. yeah, well especially yeah moving out is you know the everyone wants a space to themselves yeah most people if not everyone wants a space to be able to just call their own it's their house they can do whatever they want with it they don't want to live under someone else's roof so yeah once they get that they kind of want to cherish it at as as many points as possible yeah um and yeah no it, it can feel kind of uh kind of odd intruding on that uh intruding on that so i definitely understand where you're coming from with that it's why i feel very lucky that the apartment that i live in has two stories mm-hmm. so that way there can be a party going on in the living room downstairs and where i am upstairs i can still have my alone time and not feel like i'm trapped in there yeah relative isolation yeah yeah and even then like <laughs> we have a we have a peanut gallery today uh composed of two cats one of whom is very quiet and the other one is desperately seeking some sort of attention or food she she uh she screams and she only screams when she's having a good time it means she has found one of her toys and she's currently playing with it and that's exactly that's exactly what that means that's what she said oh my goodness <laughs> hey you're the one that went with the vague description that I, can also I, be a sex thing all right totally cool if you know what it's fair she found balls but whatever <laughs> I'm glad that that, of all like the stupid running jokes, that's what she said is the one that just is timeless. That is the meme that never dies. Yeah, it just jumps from generation to generation and it'll never grow old. Oh, absolutely not. Because it's, 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 uh, it's toilet humor. Yeah, it, yeah. Toilet humor is, I mean, it. toilet humor is always written off as being dumb, but at last. It, it gets, it, yep, it gets laughs. Definitely. A lot of dumb things surprisingly do. I, uh, I, it's, when I did a lot of improv training and stuff, they actually tell you to steer clear of, uh, of toilet humor, because as soon as you hit, it's considered, like, really low yeah. comedy, so as soon as you hit that, though, that's kind of where the bar is generally set, and trying to, like, really push that to go above to, like, other forms of comedy is really difficult, so they always say, steer clear from toilet humor as much as you need, feel free to, like, throw one or two in there in a bit, yeah. but for the most part, try your best to avoid it. So give us a little background about where you're at in life right now. Like, without you don't have to go into specifically where you work, but how are you getting by? Um, I, I luckily um, there there is there, I had two jobs at one point, um, or even just in the past two years of my work. I uh, I worked with Adam, and then I also worked at another place. Yeah. Uh, eventually, I quit the job that I had with Adam because of me. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I just could not take it anymore. Um, and then I worked solo at this one place. Oh, no, wait, I didn't. That was after. I worked, I re- immediately went from the job I had with Adam to a different job, yeah. still working two jobs. Uh, I quit that second job, had this uh, other job that I just recently quit for about a year by itself. Um, and then I just did, as I was there, solo, doing more work, that type of thing, I, I grew to see what was sort of the fundamental issues with the people I worked with and the the management itself, that type of thing, which, you know, anyone who works at a job, you pay more attention, you start to notice more things. Yeah. Absolutely. There was a lot of stuff I disagreed with, and uh, eventually I just left. I 
couldn't take it anymore. I said, you know what? I'm done dealing with all this stuff. Um, I, fa- I had found another job uh, at that point, job that I'm currently at right now. I love it. It's amazing. And then I quit the, uh, the, the job that I had for about a year and a half, almost two years. Um, and now I'm working at one place. Luckily, management was super understanding. They were like, oh, yeah, we, we definitely want you to work here more. You know, we're very guest-oriented. Uh, you have a huge guest uh, sort of experience background, and that definitely shows with you working here. So yeah. The, yeah. the more time we can squeeze out of you, the better. Um, and so I said, absolutely. That's exactly what I want. I just quit my second job, so for sure. And, yeah, I'm, 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 I don't want to say I'm getting by. I'm doing a little more than that. I'm getting close to living comfortably, somewhere between getting by and living comfortably. Um, sort of I, I'm able to, um, you know, afford the things that I need, groceries, utilities, um, being able to go out have that social life that I'd like being able to to buy myself things here and there or, or at least save up to get myself something every once in a while yeah as well as uh, being able to pay for rent and that type of stuff and then on top of that I'm able to have a social and private life yeah which well, is well it makes sense like the amount of money you make when you can fit like four people in at once as opposed to just two people in at once is huge so it's like oh, once yeah. you get up to five you're gonna be set for life oh absolutely yeah absolutely um, but you know, the, the... All takes is a little bit of salty taste and a little bit of douchey. You know what? Yes. A hundred percent. Um, but no, that, that's the, that's the thing. And I, um, especially after the past, uh, past couple years have been rough for me personally because I've been focused so much on just being, just trying to get by. Yeah. I uh, sort of trying to find my footholding, uh, in, in life itself that eventually now that I got that, it. It was amazing. Yeah. I, now that now that I'm able to sort of focus on myself personally, which a lot of people don't do in today's day and age because they're so focused on getting by. Yeah. Um, and that's not even their fault. It's something that they don't entirely have. Control you know, I never really had a phrase for it, but yeah, you're right. Like that is essentially that is the big thing that is keeping people away from, I guess, being maybe their own personal definition of successful is that we all we all have to make all these sacrifices just to get by that we don't really have the time or energy to put as much focus into actually succeeding as we want to mm-hmm. and i wouldn't even classify just getting by as just being able to food afford food and shelter you know you have to be able to also afford things for yourself you know yeah. that's why but when people scream it's like oh you're not poor you can afford an iphone or something like that but like essentially in today's day and age that's become it's an essential piece of well not specifically an iphone but just smartphone in general yeah some, some sort of putting money into one that's actually going to last two years yeah but having some sort of form of communication or because or, that's essentially what a lot of stuff is built off of today is is the ability to communicate um so yeah and, and just sort of being able to grab yourself anything, to be able to buy yourself a book, to yeah. entertain yourself, that is considered, to me, getting by. You know, it, anything that's sort of beyond that point, beyond just sort of taking care of yourself, uh, in the sense of like mentally and, and emotionally and, and physically, um, is that, that to me is doing more than just getting by. Yeah. And so a, a lot of us are just so focused on accumulating a, a massive wealth so that way we can take care of ourselves that we're, we're stuck not taking care of ourselves um and unfortunately that's not for for a lot of people for even people older than us for adults sometimes they they get the short end of the stick and they they lose a job that they had for years or anything like that and um what are they going to do they're now stuck in our position uh and it, it doesn't just affect or young adults our age um or i guess young adults my age mid-age adults your age yeah yeah (laughs) and unfortunately i feel like it's become so easy to take things out of the list and tell yourself that they aren't important to getting by even though they are Mm -hmm. and like i feel especially because of just money concerns the big one that a lot of people just try to keep off that list is health yes you know it's like uh they tell themselves, oh, I don't need to worry about, uh, you know, 
these feelings of anxiety or depression, I'm fine. And even if, you know, even if I did have a problem, which I totally don't, I can't afford to go see a psychiatrist or a psychologist or find someone. Uh, for I know for a lot of people my age, it's uh, stuff like dental work too, because mm. it's like you know, most of us don't work in jobs where we have health insurance at all. And going to the dentist, it gets really expensive. Yeah, especially when they recommend you go every couple months. It usually at least every two, six months is the normal. Two times a year. Yeah. yeah. Whereas like I haven't been in. Uh, I went in November after like saving up for it for a month or two. And that was the first time I'd been able to afford to go to the dentist in over four years. Yeah, it's been it's been a long time for me as well. I, I can't put a straight number on it. Yeah. But, I mean, I had, um, for the longest time, I uh, actually used to, this is a really weird fact, I used to overbrush, which was yeah. killing my gums. And so I eventually, I thought that, I, I had a dentist appointment coming up, uh, so I got mad anxiety from that. I started to overbrush, but I didn't realize that was an issue until I went to the dentist. Then they said, you need to slow down. Um, and so that's when I learned that overbrushing was actually a thing. Um, and so... Well, and that's always also, that's the problem with like, I think one of the things that stops a lot of people, or makes a lot of people just remove health stuff from their list is that it's never a one-time expense. Yeah. It's like, like I've had, I'm now on like my second throat infection of this long Canadian winter and just think I try to avoid thinking about how much both of these have cost me financially because mm. like if I add up how much I've had to spend on antibiotics cough syrup lozenges uh mischiefs at work it's just like there's that there's that voice in me that I know is bullshit that's saying you know it would have been just cheaper if you just ignored until it went away yeah. and that that last one's a huge one I know, yeah, I know plenty of people that uh, that come to work when they're sick, and I am always just like, which is such a normal thing for this generation now, to the point where it's like, someone can be so obviously sick that they clearly shouldn't be there, and they just be like, well, yeah, but what am I gonna do? Am I gonna miss work? And it's like, no, you're you're gonna infect everyone you come across. Yeah, and including the other employees, which is gonna result in them being sick, which is gonna spread it around, and then there's just gonna be loss of revenue for the place of work and that that's another thing that bothers me hugely is employers asking or saying you're not allowed to leave or or just being very defiant to the fact that this person should be taking care of themselves like like physically like they're sick send them home well that's the thing it's like there's there has to be a certain degree of understanding Mm. like especially I'll put it as generally as possible. I work in a toy store, so I'm around children constantly, which means everything that I interact with is covered in germs. Oh, yeah. Uh, You work as a server, so you literally interact with dozens if, and on a weekend, probably like hundreds of people a day. Oh, yeah. And then all their food. Yeah, yeah. So the odds odds are already stacked against you in terms of your own health. It's not like you're working in an office space where you maybe interact with 20 people every day. Oh, yeah. Uh, the exactly. odds are already stacked against you, but if you ever actually get sick, you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I like about my, my current work, place of work is they're very understanding of if you're sick. Like, we, I'm a server. We work with food. We work with drinks. Like, if you're sick, you're contaminating what is... Yeah. What 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 all of our guests are inter- interacting with. So it's just sort of like it. Bec- at that point, it becomes a, a hazard, a health hazard. Whereas for us, it's just like at the toy store, it essentially becomes a con- all winter is a constant cycle of people getting each other sick. Mm-hmm. I definitely remember that. Yeah. Definitely not a good time. No, it, like it's it's how I've ended up with like two two throat infections and a long lasting head cold the last four months. I I want to say. This winter is actually the only one where I have not been sick since I started. Why working. would you say that? Why would you? There's still 21, 20 days left in winter. I know. Well, it's the funny story is this morning I, I mentioned it to you. I was like, my throat's kind of itchy. Like I, I don't. But now it's gone. I, I think I just I needed some extra water in my body, which it never gets. Um, but you know this this winter honestly is has been the best one in terms of health for me, and I think it's because I'm. I'm actually like touching things less. Yeah. Uh, with like a, working at 
at the toy store it was it was we touched everything kids interacted with we touched every box every whatever yeah. we shook hands with people doesn't like, matter how much you purel you purel your hands mm-hmm. it's just it's too late for you and then the job i worked at for for two and a half years also as a server but at that place we we interacted with a lot more we were um it, it was very fast like very fast it was busing tables we had to clean it we had to take um like half-eaten food we had to clean the seats people were sitting in that type of thing uh and it just was we had to also clean the bathrooms which which sounds like really um sounds like really basic stuff but it we had to do it was very concentrated because we had to do the span of 300 of cleaning 300 people's seats and food in the span of less than an hour yeah so if your immune system faltered at any point during that you were that's it for you uh and then also we interacted a lot with um the, there was a lot of cash payments there yeah. a lot of cash payments there more than i'm getting now um as well as just sort of what we used was was tablets to take orders that type of thing which was just super switched around and everyone's just doing totally different things and they were like never cleaned really, oh god no which was the worst um because they were also really cheap tablets and if you and also no one knew how to clean them if you for future reference, if you're trying to clean any sort of computerized screen, you use a mist of distilled water with a chamois. Yeah. And plenty of times people have tried to clean it with just regular water and no. or like a cloth, and that just adds water spots to the screen, so they just stopped cleaning them. Yeah. Which is not how gross. you do it. Gross. It's gross. Yeah. It's disgusting. But like, luckily at my new job, we use tablets, we interact with food, everything like that. I, I maybe deal with a, a hundred or so guests a day on my shift. Uh, so significantly less people all spread around is sort of eight hour shift and I have one tablet that's cleaned uh, is all good that type of thing and honestly I'm not constantly touching the entire day I I bring up my tablet maybe two three times for a table yeah and that's even if they want to order anything so it's just sort of it is what it is yeah whereas I think there was a there was definitely like I used to get grossed out at my current job and now it's been so long since that's happened at this point that it's like oh yeah it takes a lot to genuinely gross me out now yes well i remember i being i was at the store for six years and at that point i i would see a kid like put a block in his mouth and i would just be like uh, or put, just goes back in the table and you're just like circle of life yes <laughs> yeah pretty much just hold the block up and then just put it back <laughs> if you looked at the if you looked at one of the blocks in a microscope you just see one little tiny maybe holding up another and saying every block you see before you is your kingdom mm-hmm. exactly essentially pretty much pretty much yes but um yeah you just you become super desensitized to it but your immune system doesn't no, no. uh and again just sort of the whole the concentration of germs is is a huge factor of it as well if you're not going to be exposed to them as much in a condensed period of time then then it's not going to because yeah i'd say working a four-hour shift at the toy store probably touched more than 500 times the amount of germs than i do today on an eight-hour shift yeah yeah it's just and you know you you accept that that's going to happen and it's you just hope that you don't get so sick that you have to miss a significant amount of time at work because mm-hmm. then yeah people feel obligated to, to go to work just not only because they're scheduled or they need to work or people depend on them but just because they they don't make enough money to get by to afford to miss their shift yeah and you you get this like even i, I find now even on even when i have a scheduled day off if i'm not working on something i feel anxious because it's either the fear of not getting by or it's the fear of not uh, doing something beyond just getting by. Mm-hmm. You know, I I constantly worry about being stuck where I am. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, I barely want to be a 28-year-old in retail if I don't do this, like, one tiny thing in this small amount of time that I have off, then suddenly I'm going to be a 40-year-old stuck in retail. And I know that's not the reality. I know that uh, that's still a long time away and that most people don't really figure out what they want to do with their life in their 20s. But still, that that fear is always there. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Because, like, it, it just... 
you when you get settled into something and it's no longer exciting or a challenge you you always start thinking to yourself is is this where i want to be later yeah especially because you look at you hear stories of of way back when people living out their absolute dreams and stuff like that and, and having a good time or like even hear maybe from your parents or your grandparents who just lived their life and just had a good time and stuff like that and um, or they're like they're from that generation where you left college you got that one job and you worked that one job for 40 years and then you retired exactly but yeah where you, you lived in that generation where that was a possibility yeah like even though it might have sucked you you spent a significant portion of your life doing what you absolutely needed to do also just doing more than just getting by usually um, those jobs would as soon as you got out you would be paid well enough that you would be getting by plus more yeah uh, and then afterwards you had a pension saved up and you were able to enjoy the rest of your life like unhindered yeah and so the the reality is that it it ain't that no more champ no which is super unfortunate but and that's why uh that's why a lot of people go out and try and do their own thing like this uh like this podcast like so many things that have uh, that have happened because also it's it's about making s- someone's mark on the world too yeah and that's a i think that's probably the most difficult part for a lot of people is where do you draw the line between doing something to get by and doing something because it's genuinely what you want to do mm-hmm. uh and i think there's still a lot of pressure on younger people especially to have that figured out fairly young but the reality is, is that like, if I could go back ten years and tell eighteen-year-old Adam everything that twenty-eight-year-old Adam knows about who he fundamentally is as a person, I my path would be completely different. Because now I have much more of an idea of what I want to do with my life, I uh, and most importantly. I have enough perspective to understand that it was not realistic to expect all of that from me at that age. Mm-hmm. Like if I if I had honestly if I if I knew then what I know now, I probably would have waited at least two or three years to go to college or university. Uh, and I I know there are definitely a lot of people who are my age or older that are going back now because half of my program when I went was people who were twenty five or older. Some of them as old as like their early to mid forties, uh, but instead, when I graduated high school, the expectation was that you immediately went to college, or university, and you immediately knew going right into high school what you wanted to do with the rest of your life. Oh yeah. I uh, and now, like a lot of other people, I have the I have the diploma, I have the degree, and there's nothing. Mm-hmm. There are no jobs in it there's you kind of have to forge your own path uh and that's assuming that whatever you got your degree in is still what you want to do because mm-hmm. you are also an incredibly different person by the time you're 21 or 22 and finish college university than you were when you were 17 or 18 when you started yeah and then there's people who go to school for like 10 years like medical school and that yeah. type of stuff where that's it, at that point it's just sort of like am i in this just because i started it or am i in this because this is exactly what i want yeah, and you're going during the point in your life that you change the most. Mm-hmm. You change, I I would argue that you change so much more between 18 and 30 than you do between 1 and 18. Oh, yeah. Because it's, you are becoming, not ju- it's not just becoming an adult, you are becoming a full person. Yeah, you're not, you're, at that point, you're, yeah. you're going out, you're, even if you are still living with your parents, you're... Uh, or with someone else in your family, that type of thing. You're you're going out to forge your own path. You're going out to figure out what you want to do with the and rest of your life. Your own identity. Exactly. I mean, it, it like I I I specifically said full person because I don't really think when I look back at myself as a teenager, I don't think of myself as a fully formed person. Mm-hmm. I think I just think about all of the things that I still didn't know, and that it never occurred to me that I needed to know about Absolutely. who I am uh, and I also think that's why everybody knows at least a few people who never really quote-unquote grew up after high school because the idea that you have to like figure out who you are as a person beyond being a teenager when you have to actually fully become an adult is fucking terrifying oh yeah and some people just 
cling on to high school because it was simpler. Oh yeah, absolutely. Everything was a lot more black and white, and now the older you get, the more everything just looks gray. Well, for for the most part, for up until you're out of high school, you kind of are like you're you're you you live with your parents. You know, you might have a certain set of rules or a curfew or or these, these certain things that they they sort of impose. I don't want to really say impose these. They, that they give you that yeah. they say you know hey this is the thing and also when you're in high school you got um you, you have your schedule that type of thing but immediately after you hit 18 and you become an adult it's sort of just like here you go kiddo have some fun and yeah. they give you like full control over everything and that's a lot to just throw at someone at once and i i, I haven't been to any kind of post-secondary it's been it's been five years i essentially what i wanted to do was I wasn't sure. I stayed for a, uh, a fifth year in high school because there was more that I wanted to study. I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do. So I, I stayed for an extra year. I did, um, I, I researched some more, uh, I dipped my toe in some more stuff. Um, and then I took my year off, decided what I wanted to do. And I'm so glad that I did because out of everyone that I know, the, the hundreds of people that I know that have gone to post-secondary school. You're the only one without student debt that too um but out of everyone that i got or everyone that i know that went i know two people who are still in the field that they chose not even that i'm not even factoring about that they're in their field two people who um are are 100 sure like yes yeah, still in the field that this is what they want to do and also that they don't regret doing the work yeah because i know people that it's like oh yeah i would totally love to continue doing this but like this is kind of a waste of time or something i didn't really learn anything or sort of like oh no i tried this and now it's not what i want to do and i blew like a couple grand on it which is the worst thing you want to do um because it's it, it's not like if the uh the post-secondary doesn't live up to your expectations and what you're supposed to learn instead they don't reverse you you essentially you consumed the product and therefore you must pay for it um but yeah, no, I, I only know two people that 100% were committed to what they wanted to do in post-secondary, and they don't regret it at all, and they're having a great time. Um, and, they, like, good for them. That's they, they made the right choices, they found the right things. And that's the dream. That's the dream. But the fact that it's, like, literally less than 1% of the people that I know, that's where it is, is... That's terrifying. Yeah. And I... I I'm not like, yay, no, post-secondary, like, by all means. That's for, if that's for you and you've managed to get there, awesome. But for me, it's not what I want to do because I just, that, that's, that's a low percentage. And also, I'm not, I don't want to jump into something that I don't know 100% that I'm going to be like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And I mean, I, I will say just to, I guess just to balance this out so it doesn't, so I don't sound entirely negative here. At the same time, as someone who... I mean, this is this might sound unrelated. I do believe in the possibility of the butterfly effect. Mm -hmm. And I do, I feel like all of the bad things that have happened to me in the last 10 years are still worth it because of the people that I have in my life that I want to have in my life. Mm -hmm. And I do, I think about that sometimes whenever I think about, oh, I wish I had done this differently or this differently. There's always that part of me that tries to remember that for all I know, making that one tiny, possibly insignificant decision differently might have led me down a completely different path. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, and the reality is, it, that might have been how it would have worked out. It might not have been. I have no way of knowing, so I might as well just make the best of what I have now. Oh, absolutely. I would say to anyone in any situation that they have is a P PSA try your best make the best you can out of what you have because frankly that's what you have there's yeah. not too much that can be done with that it's it's what you're given is what you're given to work with and do what you can with it maybe it'll open up a path to somewhere else that'll be better maybe it won't but what you got to do is just keep it going and trust me i know how easy it is to be cynical about it and not all of that cynicism is uh, 
wrong or unnecessary or unjustified. Some of it is, but you do have to try and at least find some positive in something. Otherwise, life is going to get bad real quick. Hmm. And as much as circumstances made the bad things in my life, I've made some of those bad things myself too, just on my perspective alone. And it took, it took a real dark turn and some close calls to get myself to the point where I started to at least try and find something positive. Mm -hmm. I, as easy as cynicism, as pure cynicism seems, it also does eat away at you. Don't take a bath in negativity. So on the subject of positivity, since we've talked about like what you have to do to get by, what do you do beyond that? Like, what do you do for you? Not just in terms of like projects or potential career prospects, but just day-to-day stuff that you enjoy doing. Um, day-to-day stuff I enjoy doing. I, I've recently, um, as you know, I've taken a huge liking into uh, Dungeons and Dragons, which a lot of what's people... that? I've never heard of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Uh, which is which to me? I, I've played it before as a player, but currently I'm DMing a campaign, and um, this will seem repetitive for you, yes. But um, I, I'm enjoying. I've looked at it from a different angle, and now that I'm DMing, I'm enjoying it so much more because this is something. As a player, you're sort of just like thinking of things on your spare time, bringing it to your maybe your DM and being like, hey, about this, and then they get to think about it. But as a DM, it's sort of always in the back of your mind, sort of like, I'm thinking about this, or like someone mentioned this to me. And it's a lot of my free time is actually spent um, doing prep for my sessions or, or working with my players and stuff like that. And, and as, a, um, as a person who loves storytelling so much, this, I take so much enjoyment out of uh out of doing this because it's honestly it's a great way to spend my free time it's not a total waste because it's it's bringing it to other people as well it's bringing me joy and then the fact that i've done this is bringing other people joy so it doesn't feel like it's it's so centered around me which necessarily isn't a waste um you know self-care is not selfish if you got to do something for yourself you got to do something for yourself uh that's my opinion at least but um, but yeah, though the fact that I can do this thing that brings me such a joy, and then it also brings so much joy to other people, is a great way to spend my time, in my opinion. And then there's also the classic sort of like I play I play board games and I play video games and I, I go hang out with my friends as much as possible, that type of thing. Um, and sort of that's being able to now do that stuff where it's not just getting by and, and taking care of myself, but I'm actually doing like leisure and pleasure stuff. Yeah, in my free time is is amazing, but yeah, no, mo- I'm gonna say a good chunk of my time is soaked up by D and D, and that even that in itself can be an avenue to something more. Oh, like yeah. there's a there's a friend of mine who, like a lot of people, pursued a degree program, finally finished it, and just it wasn't for him. Mm-hmm. The industry just wasn't for him, especially, you know, this this person deals with anxiety and depression and the industry his degree is in is extraordinarily competitive and very it it's a whole thing. Oh yeah. Uh, and he was he was getting down on on himself because he had considered pursuing uh writing but felt like he wasn't talented enough to to be a to write stories. Mm-hmm. Uh but after after I got to know each other better, I found out that for years since since like uh, middle school and now he's around my age, I him and his friends have just played not just D and D but a couple a bunch of these different similar tabletop uh, RPGs. And Pathfinder. Yeah, there's God, there's hundreds there's of them. So many. Uh, and that he has. He's written over 25 campaigns mm-hmm. over the course of over 10 years. Uh, and there was a time where he was getting down on himself and having known about him doing that, I was just like, so just so I'm clear, you've written these massive, 
complex, intricate, and fascinating stories where you, unlike most writers, you don't know what the characters are going to do, so you have to prepare for just about anything. Oh, yeah. And that these stories work well enough that you've convinced people to really invest in them over and over again, and you're going to sit there and tell me that you're not a good writer or you're not a good storyteller. Mm -hmm. Even, like, that's... I think that is kind of the beauty of our generation is because the tools of creativity are so much more accessible and because of the way we have to think now, we can find something that could potentially be a good career in something that 20 years ago we would have just done for fun and written off immediately. Oh, absolutely. I remember, like, well, I don't remember, but, like, especially D&D &D and a lot of tabletop board games, they were they were started off by, by people in garages yeah. or that as a game that they just sort of conceived for themselves. And then eventually it sort of spread and more people wanted to do it and partake in it. And then eventually they were like, hey, this is actually like kind of becoming really like a significant thing. This is kind of more people want to do this. Um, and then, you know, that that's how essentially like Wizards of the Coast came around. I say, I believe Wizards of the Coast, the current owners of D&D, they purchased it and then they refined the whole. Yes. Uh, Wizards yeah. of the Coast was founded in 75, I believe. Mm. And now, I believe it's owned by Hasbro. I think so. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Do your research, kids. But but even like, like uh, something that Zach said on a podcast a, a couple episodes ago stuck with me. I don't even remember if it got left in the original episode, but he said that uh, some comic book characters have been around for so long that everybody writing for them now is essentially a fan fiction writer oh absolutely I because mean, they like these some of these characters like batman and superman or wonder woman have been around since long before the current writers were even born mm -hmm. so I'm, i mean that's the winter soldier isn't it essentially yeah, yeah yeah and that's the thing it's like with a lot of these mediums now and we're i feel like we're just starting to get to that point with video games now mm -hmm. where we now have a base of people who are coming into this industry not necessarily as pioneers but as fans. Oh yeah. And as people who've just grown up with this and because of that I totally lost my point. <laughs> well, I think what you're going for is is turning the the industry into a job, right? Yeah, essentially. Sort of, well, like not you're, even you're taking the stuff that you you're taking those things that you do beyond just getting by and you're turning them into something that you can actually do for a living. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like not 10 years ago, independent games weren't a thing. Yeah. Right? Most independent games were originally started off as, as ideas in people's garages and they were brought to larger corporations. Yeah. And then sort of they bought the idea or hired the person to output this game. Like 10 years ago, oh, I feel a little ashamed to say it. 10 years ago, I was an Xbox gamer. Uh, <laughs> And I still remember, like, Xbox Live Arcade. And that's Ooh, just where yeah. you went to find all the small games. Because I don't even really remember independent games getting big on PC and on Steam specifically until within the last 10 years or so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that, that's the thing. It used to be, like, almost non-existent. And then now that the tool's available. Yeah. Like, like Unreal Engine, you can just buy, you can, I forget how it is, you buy it or rent it or whatever for, like, a X amount of price or whatever. And, um... And Unity, Unity's such a big one that a lot of yeah. uh, a lot of indie games are built in and stuff. It is it's just readily available to people. Yeah, you know, being it being able to have the computers to run this this stuff was also way back when super impossible to have in your own home. But now look at today. Now, like, well, now like most of these developers can make a game that'll run on just about any cell phone that people have. Oh yeah, definitely. Or even and even the stuff that was expensive in the past isn't as hard to do anymore if you know how to do it right. Like exactly. If I'm an indie game developer, uh, I don't need a marketing team to promote my game. I can make like a 30-second GIF of gameplay, throw it up on Reddit, and that'll help me sell 30,000 copies on its own. Exactly, on its own. yeah. And then sort of like, especially with indie games, what a lot of... Um, there, there's By the way, it, just on a side note, if you're going to do that, for the love of God, put the title of the game in the description of the picture. Oh my God, People yes. miss that on social media all the time. So I'll see like gameplay of something and I'm like, 
That's fucking awesome. Now I just gotta scroll through the comments for the next five minutes until someone has found a link to the Steam page or even the title of the game. Oh yeah, no, that that's a huge, huge pet peeve. Yeah, is is you know you're gonna show especially if it's just like a short video and it's like super easy to just literally copy the video, put it somewhere else because it's easier than to just embed the video for whatever reason. Like put it, just put a watermark on the video because then that way it's it's there or at least a website linking to like your stuff. But yeah, no, the, the fact that, that indie developers, especially in, there's so many indie games. Yeah. I would say there's more, like, uh, of course, probably, because anyone can put out an indie game, but I would say that I find there's a lot of really good indie games that have just, that are made from just a small studio or just a, a small group of people. In some cases, um, just a single person. Yeah, sometimes just a single person. There, I would say there's more really good indie games than, like, high budget games that come out every year yeah because now that the tools are available for anyone pretty much to get their hands on you have all these people who typically way back when if they were born 20 years ago wouldn't be able to get their hands on the tools wouldn't be able to do it oh god no and it's the same with it's the same with filmmaking it's the same with uh Mm -hmm. podcasting i mean for all intents and purposes what you and me are doing right now is just recording a radio show it's just 20 years ago it would have taken $30,000 of equipment oh, yeah. or more now I think in total all the equipment I have sitting in front of me to record this podcast is about $700 and you don't even need to spend that much you, oh, yeah. you can now you can now record an entire podcast just using your phone or using your laptop mm-hmm. uh, but instead of doing that, you should definitely just subscribe to ours and live vicariously through us. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Just, just, there's no need. You don't need to guide it. Just enjoy our voices. Yeah. Our sultry voices talking about stuff. So, uh, we usually like to end every episode with a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this week's question, I guess, since we ended off on that topic, what is your favorite indie game? Ooh. Um, oh, that's a really good question. How about, well, you think of that, I'll, I'll go with mine. Okay. It's, it's one of the few indie games that I come back to over and over again. Especially, and it's probably the one that I've shown to the most people. Uh, it's a game called Party Hard. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. A, mm-hmm. it's a 16-bit style game where you play a guy who can't sleep because the college frat house next door is having a party. So you just have to you have to go over to the frat house and kill every single person at the party without being detected or arrested or beaten up. I mean, as you normally should. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the game it even has like this long story mode that takes you to different environments. Every time you load up a map, you'll never get the same layout or same arrangement of people twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you just have to adapt and strategize to find the most effective way to murder a bunch of people. And it's, it has this weird, dark sense of humor to it. And I just, the game, I think at this point came out five years ago and I still probably go back and play it like once every couple of months. I I remember you showed me this game like a year and a half, two years ago. And I still remember it to this. I remember playing, I remember yelling at the game. Um, It gets frustratingly hard at mm -hmm. some points. Yeah, it does. Definitely does. So I'm going to get a lot of, uh. I'm going to get a lot of, like, oh, are you fucking serious? Uh, or maybe I'll get some, like, hmm, interesting. Um, but my favorite indie game of all time would actually be Minecraft. Oh, you're a fucking poser. Yeah. Well, the reason I like this is because it's... It, a lot of people call it cute because it's very, like, blocky and everything like that. But the thing is, uh, the design is simple yeah it's lasted throughout the years they haven't updated it or anything like that like that's just the base design well, they, of the yeah, game yeah they haven't changed the fundamental core mechanics of the game and they have updated it to make it a well, lot more performance yeah. friendly yeah they, they've they've updated the um the uh the the sort of like how the game is run and that type of thing but they haven't like changed the game they'll yeah. add things to it to give it more depth and stuff like that uh and of course now it's not indie it's uh it's owned by uh microsoft it's owned by microsoft yes and so it's it's but like when it came out it was it was definitely an indie game and it uh it 
to this day, a couple times a year, I will I will download it and I will start playing it again and I'll get super duper into it. Uh, because the premise is simple. You're a guy that's plopped in this area and um, you just go. There's nothing really is handed to you. You just, yeah. it's a sandbox game. And it's one of the, as my, I, it's one of the few games that is available on just about every single platform. Oh yeah. And so that it's like, it's got such a wide reach and it's, yeah, I, it's, it's got a charm to it. And also maybe it's a little bit of the nostalgia goggles, but it's just the, the premise is so simple. The design of the game is simple. How it teaches you to play is really simple. It's it's point and click. It's also fine to have nostalgia goggles for a game that's injured uh, a little over. It'll be at 10 years in December mm-hmm. since the alpha first launched. Oh, I don't yeah. know about like the, I think the main launch of the game was about two years later. Although now with indie games, it's, Having like a main launch doesn't mean as much since most games start in beta at least. So. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But no, that's uh, as as terrible of an answer as that is, especially coming from me. Um, it's just it, it's got this this little beautiful charm to it, and it was an indie game at one point, uh, and it's even after the the thing is is, um. Microsoft could have bought it and completely reworked the game from the ground up. No, I think they were smarter than that by that point. They needed yeah. a win. Yeah, they definitely did. I mean, it was them well, It was them that did that with Banjo-Kazooie? Uh, yeah, essentially. Because, well, that was... Banjo-Kazooie was, like, a long time coming because they had bought Rare years ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they've just been, like... There were complications with them buying Rare, and a lot of the uh, IP that Rare had was in limbo. So, like, Banjo-Kazooie came out a long... It had been in the works for, like, a really long time up until that point, and by the time it came out, it just sort of, like... That's that's one of my favorite games of all time, is Banjo-Kazooie. But, yeah, no, once uh, Banjo-Kazooie came out, and then Banjo-Tooie, and then I believe in between that and... Was it... Trying to remember, Banjo Pilots was before or after the Microsoft purchase. I think it was before Microsoft. I think it was before Microsoft. Yeah, and then Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Bolts came out, and that's when they tried to rework the entire formula. Yeah, that was the one where you like built vehicles, right? Yes, um, and so that that I think that was a terrible decision of buying an IP and trying to like make it your own. Whereas again, Minecraft has had such a simple and lovable design in all aspects not even yeah. just visually but that was definitely a very 2008 decision oh yeah because like by the time whereas i think like microsoft bought minecraft in 2016 or 2017 mm-hmm. and i think by then they had seen enough of people's relationship with minecraft that they knew it wasn't really something they could change oh yeah well minecraft has also such a huge mod yeah thing. well and and they were smart because like i remember the first they bought Minecraft, and the first thing that Microsoft did involving Minecraft on a, in a big public stage was uh, at E3 one year, they were sh- using it to show off. I can't remember what Microsoft's augmented reality headset is called. I don't remember. But essentially, either. like the first thing they did was showing what Minecraft could be like in augmented reality, and just like, essentially, you're just... So it looks like you have one of those one of the uh, hologram tables that Tony Stark has in Iron Man mm-hmm. where it's just your entire Minecraft world pops up in front of you and you can reach out and interact with your hands but the presentation doesn't change the core mechanics of the game which is so it was based Microsoft's essentially their entire stance was here we'll you know we'll allow you to interact with it in different ways but we're not going to change the game itself which is super important yeah Cause... especially if you spend if you spend if an indie game got to the point where it was worth $2.5 billion, which is what they paid for it, oh, yeah. then it's they're doing something right. You don't really need to change it. Exactly. The formula was was perfect. Yeah. I mean, it also, it would have been super easy for uh, for Microsoft to sort of, you know, change up maybe a few of the mechanics or slap on, like, an intro sequence that gave you, like, a little bit more path direction. Or put a bunch of shit behind a pay gate. Or, yeah, that too. Definitely that too. But, honestly, that's not what they did and the game is still relatively cheap compared to other games yeah. that have that much of a of a production value that um like it's it's 
the formula is not broken. It hasn't been broken since it was developed by the indie developer, and Microsoft noticed that and didn't change anything. So that's why I think, in my opinion, that's one of my favorite indie games and also one of the better ones. Well, Tristan, thank you for joining me on this. No problem. Uh, I'm glad that we're getting to reconnect, and I'm glad that both of us are hopefully now have the freedom to do a little more than just get by. Oh, absolutely. And uh, George, do you have anything to add? George is one of the cats. Yes, he the is. The peanut gallery. He, what he currently did was he went over to his food bowl, he took a giant mouthful of kibble and yeah. brought it into the living room and just spat it onto the floor and now he's eating each piece bit by bit, except for the one he just left. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. Oh, I don't miss living with cats. No. All right, we'll see you all next week, everybody. Have a good night.